0: Well, top of the morning to you. Uh, we come to you with our key market drivers for Tuesday,
1: August sixteenth. As always, you see our contact info here. We would love to hear from you, uh, but let's just jump in and, and uh, get right after it here. Uh, I've had a pretty good downdraft in prices uh, yesterday and today that I'll talk about. I think that's probably the the, the primary drivers. There are really all three of those bullets, especially for the soy complex. Uh, But this comes on the heels of a big up week that we had last week. And I mean, the boy, I tell you what, the volatility uh, in this market continues last week. We had corn prices up uh, over 29 cents. That's almost 5%. Uh, Wheat prices were up uh, circa 4%, depending on which one you're looking at. Uh, Soybean prices up about almost 5%. Soybean oil prices up about 7% and palm oil. Uh, this insane volatility in the palm oil space uh, continues, we were up $115, which is almost 12% last uh, last week. And to give you a recap on the prior weeks, up $115 last week, down $80 the week prior than that, up $100 a week prior than that. And we had been down, I think, 40 something percent in the two months prior to that. So uh the, the palm oil market continues to search desperately uh for fair value after the apple cart upset that the indonesian government gave us in may with that uh extraordinarily ill-conceived export ban so that brings us to the slide here what's driving prices it was interesting we got to work yesterday soy complex was uh, taking it on the chin Prices down pretty hard uh, a lot of debate and discussion around the trade with uh, people that we talked to, wires that we read about really what was the cause of it. And, and a lot of people wanted to talk about the weather and, and certainly the weather's a bit better. Uh, Paige will talk about that for us here in just a little bit. But I think as you scoured the headlines and you looked at things, um, you actually got a kick out of one of the Reuters articles I was reading Uh, yesterday morning, and it was blaming the bearish price action and the overnight trade uh, on Sunday night as we got to work Monday morning on the bearish WASDE report that we had gotten at 11 o'clock central time on Friday, and and only to have the market crawl back after a big beating, very bearish uh, WASDE for soybeans anyway. Uh, Market took a big hit early and crawls itself all the way back into positive territory. So Little hard to believe that that is why we were down on Monday. Uh, weather's a little bit better, but I'm not sure that I was buying into why that is why we were down uh, quite so hard yesterday. And with follow through today, I think it's really this is the big shadow. Uh, what is going on in China? Uh, we got a couple facets to this, but China late last week and into Monday uh, released a raft of very poor economic data, whether you're talking about uh, property investment, uh, home sales, uh, industrial output, just a raft of very bad economic data. And we brought up on this call uh, several times in the last three or four weeks about something seems to be going on in China on the demand side that seems to be bigger than even the lockdowns. And I guess we'll see as time goes by whether it's the lockdowns that are the cause of this, whether it's something else going on structurally within their economy. But while the rest of the world's central banks are raising interest rates and removing stimulus for the economy to try to tamp down inflation, China announced that they were adding stimulus, adding liquidity to the economy, and actually cutting interest rates. Uh, And I think the market saw that as a big uh uh-oh what's going on in China. And of course, China is the largest bean consumer on the planet. It wasn't that many years ago uh, that we used to round up and say that for every three bushels of soybeans to trade in the world market, China buys two of them. They're not quite that big now, but they're just a whisker under 60 percent Last data point I saw. And so they are a a huge driver and so goes soybean demand in China, Uh, so goes soybean prices to a large degree. And so that is part of it. Um, to make matters worse, um, just to throw a little bit more gasoline on the fire, we found out when we get to work yesterday that uh, five more U.S. lawmakers, basically five uh, House of Representative members, uh, decided to make another trip to Taiwan just to continue to poke the bear a little bit. So um, don't want to get into the politics of that because, honestly, I'm not exactly sure what they are. But that has pissed China off. now. When Pelosi went over there, that pissed China off. We got a lot of military exercises. But if you look at the USDA flash sales, we had like, what, three flash sales, two to China and one to unknown that was probably China for soybeans uh, in the week after that. So China continued to buy soybeans from us, but um, I'm not sure if that's going to continue if we keep poking at them and i think that too is maybe what the market is worried about uh, and why we've seen the downdraft. really it's the soy complex that let things lower so that's kind of the summary we'll get into more of the detail of it as we get into the specific slides but uh scott i know you put this world wheat prices slide in here bill's done some analysis and once you talk about this and and all things wheat if you'd like to
0: sure well uh, the 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 main thing about this slide is that um, our U.S. prices have, um, and they are there in the black line, kind of right in the middle. Um, If you go back to May and early June, uh, we were the highest in the world. Not uh, surprising. In fact, you you could take that all the way back to March. We've kind of been the highest priced guy on the street. Um, The red line, if you can, it's not really bright red, but it's kind of a, uh, kind of a brownish red, I guess on the bottom. That's the Russian number. This, one, this one here. Right? Yep. Yep. And it has been, as you might guess, the lowest guy in the world. And and quite honestly, that's where they sit today. Now, um, the high guy in the world today is Argentina. We know they've got all kinds of their own economic problems down there. And and uh, sometime in, in late June, they became the uh, the high guy in the world, and they're, they're still there. The point of all of this is to say that our U.S. prices are now in the realm of being competitive. I think that we will likely garner uh, more exports uh, because of this. Uncle Sam did raise—we'll get to that when we get to the Wazi. we did raise our uh, wheat exports by just 25 million bushels. It's a bit early, I think, to be doing that, but they did anyway. So that's kind of the point of this slide. And as long as I've got the floor, um, a couple of other things. Um, Ukraine shipped a total of 2.6 million tons of ag products in July. Now, when you split it all up, most of it was corn, a little over 1 million tons, only 400,000 of of wheat, 180,000 of barley, and 360,000 of sunseed. And, you know, as we know, most of these uh, shipments all left by rail up through uh, Romania and Poland. Um, That's down 52% year over year. Uh, The ag ministry there is expecting to do another 50 this coming year for the 22-23 year. And that's compared to 86 from what they did a year ago. Now, the other thing to note about Ukraine specifically is that their first shipment of wheat on a boat under the New Deal uh, is scheduled to set sail this week. So um, we'll uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that going forward. When you look at uh, the domestic picture, uh, our winter wheat uh, harvest—I got a typo there on that that slide three—but it's at ninety percent. We're just we're crawling along with uh, P and W finishing up. When you look uh, well across the pond, Russia's crop still looks big. They're they're at forty three percent harvested right now, as of uh, last Monday, I guess it was. Um, with fifty almost fifty six million tons in the bin already, their yields are somewhere around thirty percent higher Holy than a God. year yeah. ago.
1: Did I I'm- see Sobekin also just raised their? Estimate?
0: Uh, I do
1: I thought I might have seen that this morning, but yeah, they, yeah.
0: they're at uh, everybody's up around 95 now. But the wow. kicker today is uh, quality. Um, how much of this crop? They've got huge yielding crops, but how much of this, these crops are going to be milling quality? They think maybe uh, only about 60 percent versus you know maybe as much as uh, uh, 70 or 80. Last year they had about 82 percent of their crop was milling quality. Wow, so one eighty two percent for the Russians
1: is a very good quality crowd.
0: Right. So sixty percent this year. that's gonna not, be a
1: not, little tough not cool. not cool. All right. well, thank you, Scotty. Uh, why don't we just go ahead and if I can get these slides to change here, we will launch right into the WASDI. but you know, one thing I forgot to add when I was talking about palm oil. have not seen I didn't uh, get time to look this morning at what palm oil prices did, but after a big jump of almost twelve percent last week, We lost about half of that back yesterday. Uh, We were up $115 last week. We were down $50 a ton in palm oil yesterday. And it seems that all the palm oil excitement was dampened down a little bit by uh, um, some of these different uh, uh, palm oil organizations in Malaysia over pork production. Uh, The uh, uh, SPOMA uh, production was up for the first 10 days of August, 12.6%. I think it's these uh, foreign worker uh, bans, these COVID bans that have really damaged, I think, Malaysian production for the better part of, you know, almost 18 months while we were doing the whole COVID thing. Uh, those workers are coming from Indonesia into Malaysia. Uh, and We're seeing some pretty big, what looks like some pretty big rebounds in production. Uh, at the same time, we thought we had some pretty good starts, August on exports. Uh, But when you look at first half of the month of August exports, uh, up uh, by the two reporting agencies, 2.8%, 1.9%, respectively, the two of the big survey companies. So big production exports, remember, that's up just a percent or two off of a pretty crappy month last year, last week, when Argentina or last month when Argentina was trying to export. So it uh, looks like the bearish cast is maybe back on palm oil a little bit but uh stay tuned the volatility is likely to continue so wasdy what did uh, uncle sam tell us last week you're looking at the corn uh WASD. if you look at the right hand column that is their latest projection uh, the next column to the left is where they were the month prior you can see we took a little bit of production out took a little bit of that then out of the ending stocks data Uh, The trade, if you look at this yield number right here, the 75.4, the trade was looking for about a half a bushel number higher than that. Now, often a half a bushel in a corn yield is uh, uh, maybe not quite a rounding error, but not too far from it. So maybe a little bit friendly report on corn, but more neutral than anything. This is where the fireworks were uh, right here. You could see the USDA went up four tenths to 51.9. That would be a new record yield beating out last year's record deal that you see right here. The trade was looking for the other direction. The trade was looking for 51.1. Now, eight-tenths of a bushel an acre, you might think, doesn't mean much. But when you look at the bean balance sheet, uh, that's quite a bit of additional soybean production. So, um, uh, caught the trade off guard a little bit. Pretty bearish report. I think the initial reaction right after the report came out, we had soybeans down, I think, at one point, a little over 40 cents. Like I said, on Friday, by the time the market closed at 130, the, they crawled all the way back to small positive territory for uh, reasons, I'll be honest with you, that escaped me just a little bit. I thought we might see a weak close. So, uh, so much for what I think. But that's the bearish part. This was the cornerstone. This was the, the big number right here. Now, methodology. This crop year hasn't even started yet. This is the crop year that will begin on September 1st of this year. Uh, So in a couple weeks, when the USDA finds production this early in the crop cycle, they will find extra production and they typically stuff 40, 50, 60 percent of it in the demand side. And if you look at crush up a little bit here, they they left crush alone in the uh, in the new crop. But that gave us some more oil. And when you look at the old crop oil, once again, uh, deja vu all over again, if this seems like something you've seen before. Uh, it's because it's I'll be honest with you, it's almost become an annual pattern with the USDA. We have thought that the biofuel wolf was at the door um, for most of each of the last eight or nine or 10 years, only to find out that we end the year with enough oil. And it, it appears that we are replaying that uh, after looking like we were going to have tight supplies. Again, the USDA is now saying, uh, oh, you know what? We're going to have a little over 2 billion pounds. That's a very Goldilocks forecast. 2 billion pounds of oil is not too much oil. It is not too little oil. It's just the right stocks. But here we go. The USDA was tight again this year. Well, they stuck that extra production from the extra crush. in, And all of a sudden, now we have an ending stock situation on oil. Um, You know, we did a little bit of a a crush look uh, as we looked five years out. And one of the things that becomes very noticeable when you look at the soybean oil balance sheet for the last decade, it's almost like if we have enough beans, the market is trying to solve for that oil balance sheet. How many beans do we have to crush to get that number to be about six or seven percent of use seems to be what's going on here. Uh, what did the uh, USDA tell us, Scotty, if anything, on uh, the wheat side of things?
0: Well, really nothing much to see here. Uh, very, very small changes. They uh, uh, They took the food number up ever so slightly uh, you see there went from 964 to 970 and then the other demand component they that you that was big change was exports went from 800 to 825 that gets your uh, ending stocks back you know down closer to 600 but again that's and uh, you know that's not fat and happy by any stretch of the imagination but it's it's adequate it's it should be enough the bigger fireworks on wheat were on the next uh, page. Well, before you go to that, yeah. so
1: is that, is that uh, that increase on exports um, the way I think I heard you or Bill say it that the, the pace data doesn't tell you we're not at a pace out in front of last year yet. But the recent pace data, probably because of that price slide that you showed, right. we're starting to sell wheat. And that, that's what the, is that what the USDA you think is reacting to?
0: I, yeah, but I still wonder that that pace data, I mean, we haven't been selling really at at what would appear to me anyway, to be a a pace to get us quite there. And it's early in the crop year. Remember, we just started uh, uh, the the marketing year for wheat begins on June one, right? So we really only have about two months of data. So there's there's uh,
1: three minutes and 50 seconds left on the clock in the first quarter and we're
0: yeah. And and we're
1: we're messing with our our estimate of the final score already. Now,
0: that's not a big (laughs) number at 825. Right. Uh, But but uh, we'll see. Oh, one more quick thing before we leave from that. Remember, now, uh, when we get our September WASDE, we will not uh, have any more production numbers. You see, we didn't have any production changes. Uh, although they they did move the the yield ever so slightly, uh, we won't see anything in the in the September WASD, and we'll have to wait until September 30th when we get our uh, small grain summary. That'll be the final numbers for.
1: That'll be the final wheat production.
0: For, numbers. for wheat production, the, our our preliminary final.
1: Our preliminary final. They reserve the right to
0: change it at will. So, when you talk about wheat, this is where we saw some pretty. Pretty big uh, changes. This is the world wheat. And Uncle Sam finally came around and reluctantly, I I suppose, maybe I shouldn't say reluctantly, but they finally changed their Russian wheat number. They went up 6.5 million tons. But they're still the low guy. They're still the low um, guesser out there at 88 million tons. Uh, Dave mentioned earlier that ICAR and SOVECON are way up over 90 million tons. I think it's SOVECON that's at 95 Icar is not quite there yet. Um, a few of the other ones uh, that went higher to push us up to that seven seventy nine and a half million metric tons. It's a new record. Australia plus three, Canada plus one, and China plus three. Uh, on the loser side of the ledger, Argentina down a half, the EU down two, and India down three. So you, you it would seem that you've kind of filled at least most of that hole that was left by Ukraine. Um, and, and so we're a little bit tighter. Uh, you see their ending stocks at 267, you, and, and our stocks to use is just under 34 versus last year we were just under 35. So we're just a bit tighter, um, but I would say that the, the, the picture is not as uh, dire as what it was maybe in May when everybody was panicking. Uh, it would seem that, again, kind of like our domestic balance sheet, we have enough. We have what would appear to be adequate supplies. Not ample. Not We're not swimming in wheat, but uh, it would seem that we've got enough.
1: Did we learn our lesson that we are not anywhere close to running out of $12 wheat? Yeah. We
0: yeah, probably that, don't have enough. funny how that works. Wheat, but, uh, funny how that works. We yeah. never seem to run out of that stuff. A couple of years
1: of La Nina have not helped us with South American crop production, but they sure have benefited the Aussies. They kind of been producing, you know, one record or damn near record crop after another here the last two or three years. All right. Uh, crop conditions don't want to spend uh, an enormous amount of time here because honestly, uh, we've talked before, not sure how valuable they are and they didn't change much. We were down one tick each uh, down to 57 percent. Good, excellent on corn. Fifty-eight uh, percent, good to excellent. Both of those are down one percent from the prior week. Blah blah blah. Uh, you want to update us on wheat harvest? I think you talked yeah. about winter wheat.
0: But- winter wheat's at ninety. No big deal there. We're kind of waiting on uh, on the P and W spring wheat conditions. Uh, held serve. They were at sixty-four mm-hmm. last week. Still the same. And we're getting now that uh, conditions kind of like Dave said don't mean as much anymore as we're getting into harvest. Harvest at 16%. Nationally, that would be a solid week behind normal pace versus uh, about 35% on average. The laggards are North Dakota and Minnesota, which makes sense because those were the two states that were the most behind in getting planted. Also two biggest producers, right? Two-thirds of your spring wheat crop come out of those two states, and both states, uh, you know, we hear very, very good things about them. So it's it's a little bit late on, they're gonna be late on harvest. Uh, North Dakota is only at 5% right now, uh, just getting started, but I, I don't have any big concerns about either of them. Okay, we'll
1: get more information as uh, North Dakota and Minnesota gets into it. looks like uh, South Dakota doing pretty good, but that's yeah. probably not where the best spring wheat is anyway. Probably so. not. Okay. Uh, let's throw it over to Paige here to talk to us a little bit about uh, the weather and how, cranky or not cranky mother nature is uh, this yes week.
2: yeah so dave kind of mentioned it earlier um the weather seems to be getting a little bit better still not great well i say that living here in nebraska where it is very dry um but really it's i not think so damn <laughs> yeah so we got that going for us um <laughs> we got that going for us but it's pretty much just kind of the western part of the Corn Belt, really, that's still just pretty dry. Everywhere else, kind of those other big producing states, um, Illinois and kind of east, look they look pretty good. They've been getting kind of continuous rains, um, kind of good quality, heavy rains. I know this week here in Omaha, the last yesterday and kind of today, it's it's just kind of drippy. So we're getting some rain, but we could we could use quite a bit more than we are getting um so this is the past seven day precipitation map you can see a little bit of nebraska has got some rains if you kind of look at the corresponding um values for those they're not great rains we're not going to complain about any rain that we get but we could definitely use some more um if you go forward i believe that yeah so Over the last few weeks, both of these maps have kind of progressively gotten more yellow and orange moving into them, Um, especially on that savings account slide. That's the drought severity index. We are, I keep saying it, I'm a broken record, but we are dry over here. Um, Nebraska is super dry, down into Kansas is pretty dry. Um, The Dakotas are faring a little bit better than us, but still pretty dry. And really that kind of western part of Iowa is pretty dry. But if you look at the checking account, that crop moisture index, there's a lot more white on that map. Um, Not really in Nebraska, but (laughs) more to the east. There's a lot of white and even some greens that are popping in this week, kind of in Illinois um, and over into Indiana. But So they're getting some pretty good rains over there and kind of keeping up with trend and getting some good timely rains and they're not doing too bad um so we really just like to complain here in nebraska and western iowa that it's dry but knock on wood it looks not too terrible everywhere else
1: Um, yeah and i guess to add for those that uh uh get the the daily wire i I should have put a a picture in the deck here uh pulled an ear out uh uh getting a load of hay this weekend and uh pulled an ear uh, off a field as i was coming out and uh uh, a lot of tip back. You have a. Uh, I, I actually set a pen right next to the ear, so you see how short it was. Uh, and you had the, the the top. What what do you say, Scott? Top third of that ear just was yep. not filled out. We got. It into wasn't a very long year to begin it with. Wasn't a very long year to begin with, and uh, you know we got to talking about whether the that was how much of that was due to poor pollination because of the heat and lack of moisture, or how much of some of that top third of the year that didn't really make a kernel, whether that got was pollinated and then just had no moisture to fill
0: yeah about a third of that third if you will yeah. uh was kernels that did pollinate but then were basically aborted yeah the just said sorry don't yeah have any, i can't can't help there. you guys i don't have enough just, for you right. um so but, but you, you look at that field i should have stepped
1: back and taken a picture of that field and put the field in the air because at, at at 40 or 50 miles an hour down the gravel road Looking at that field, you go, that corn looks pretty good, you know? Um, I I, uh, I
0: meant to ask you yesterday, was it firing at all or? That particular
1: field wasn't. We've got quite a few around here, as you know, that are starting to fire. That means the plant's shutting down because of lack of moisture. So, uh, at any rate, sorry about that, Paige. Didn't mean to steal your thunder. There you
2: go. No, you're good. Um, This seven-day forecast looks a lot better than it has been the last couple weeks. Uh, Really, those last few weeks, I swear, they have just put white over Kansas, Nebraska, and the Dakotas because we yeah. just have been getting no rain. Um, so at least this week, there's a little bit of color. And even I was talking about kind of that eastern part of Nebraska. Well, all of Nebraska is dry again. But really kind of that eastern part of Nebraska, western part of Iowa, you get more than a little bit of green in there. There's a little bit of blue and pinks and uh, purples. So that should, if it accumulates, should be some decent rain in the next week coming at us. Um, specifically in areas that we, yeah, we need it bad. Um, This is looking a lot better than it has been. So out forward, um, the trend has kind of been hot and dry in areas where we don't need any more hot and dry. Uh, But this week looks a bit different. Uh, We've got some blue moving in. Hopefully temperatures are going to be cooling off here a little bit. And really, I think the market's looking at um, that 6 to 10 and 8 to 14 day, those preset maps. There's looks to be kind of above average rain come into the better majority of kind of the corn belt. Um, I don't really think Illinois or Indiana need any more rain, but it looks like they might get some. So things, knock on wood, appear to be looking up. And I say that very hesitantly. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I don't I want to jinx what, it. And I think- I wonder if the USDA with that bean yield yesterday didn't kind of give us a little bit of a precursor. I know Nate in our office has been talking about this quite a bit, but the areas that are bad uh, are really in the broader scheme of things, not that big. Mm
0: -hmm. And,
1: you know, a lot of these seed genetics uh, are built to tolerate a lot more bad weather. Now, clearly, we're going to not have the greatest of corn crops right here, but this is also not the biggest of areas. And so it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, with all the areas that are in very good shape, how how much if that's going to overtake everything else. And are we going to be surprised this year and end up with better than trend yields uh, kind of across the board? A little hard to believe right now that that could happen on corn, but I guess it's possible. But I think the USDA gave us a tip last Friday that uh, maybe that is what's going to happen in the bean side of things. So, all right. Uh, thank you, Paige. Uh, what do you want to what's Canada looking like?
2: uh canada what is this one this is percent of average precipitation um i think they've gotten some better rains in the past but this yeah, is up not here, looking
1: yeah they've gotten some so they've gotten some uh some rainfall up in that peace river area so we're in canadian crops are really looking pretty fantastic at this point so we'll uh we'll have to wait and see but i think you think in Canada, even with the lake planting, we got to be getting pretty close to the finish line. Um, I know a lot of those crops. If you look at Saskatchewan, big chunks of Saskatchewan and Manitoba have got, I think, plenty of moisture in the ground to get this crop to the finish line, and maybe need another drink in Alberta. But uh, we're got to be getting close
0: for for canola, maybe. Yeah. Or?
1: For canola, yeah, that's spring wheat up there. I mean,
0: they're probably three, four weeks away from getting any cutting on wheat up there. Okay. All right, well, thank you, Paige. What uh what do we
1: learn in dairy prices last week?
0: Well, I, I think we're finding a, a couple of things. Um on the cheese side of things, you know, we went all the way down into the 170s and all of a sudden we have a little more interest and, and uh that's got prices back up to the mid 180s all, all the way to 189 yesterday. Um it's, you know, your your milk prices are still pretty tight. It's third quarter and it's hot and it's hard getting that uh, 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 that milk to the, to the cheese place. you see there an the, ice cream season, baby? Yeah, it's 138 uh, under versus 150 a week ago. It's um, specific to the ice cream season. Look at the cream supplies. You know, we we jumped on multiples up to 147 a week ago. Well, they're hanging in there at 146. Uh, We did not have big volume last week on trade, and we're right back to having big volume this past week. We had 34 lots trade again. Um, I I think buyers saw that. uh, Remember, we had that print that went to 306. uh, I believe it was a week ago, Wednesday. First time we were up that high since like 2015. And I, I think that brought some uh, brought some demand back when, when we could pressure that market back down below three bucks um, and, and and just go from there um, it's going to be i think a, a bit of a tough slog here to finish out the third quarter
1: yeah, yeah. butter. i mean with the big downdraft in commodity prices that we've seen in the last three months butter's kind of the last thing that really hasn't gone down
0: yeah look at that bottom slide there that red line is where we're at this year we have not even looked at those last three years? No.
1: So you wonder at some point if that's not going to take a toll. Maybe we just got to get through the hot weather. So at any rate. All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, That is our story this week, and we are sticking to it. As always, there's our contact info. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, and especially in these crazy commodity markets, be careful out there.